Welcome to PreachingChrist.org, the preaching ministry of Father Patrick Malone, Vicar of Holy Cross Anglican Church in Milwaukee. If you have any questions about the Bible or the Christian life, contact us at Patrick at PreachingChrist.org. We are continuing our study of the Epistle to the Ephesians. Uh, during our Trinity time, during the summer here. And we are in chapter 2, so if you'd like to follow along with me. uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read from verse 4 and following. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the, age, the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're focusing on verse 10. Last week we looked at verses uh, 4 through 9. And in verses 4 through 9, we saw the great mercy of God interceding and interjecting himself in history to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins. And we see that great uh, word there, but, but God. When we were found dead in our trespasses and sins and following the prince of the power in the air, of the air, when we were in the state of disobedience and anger and judgment towards God, God interceded and interjected into history to save us. Why? Because of his rich mercy. Because of the love with which He loved us. God is the great initiator. He pursues us. The only reason we have any spiritual awareness or appetite or life or desire is because God pursued us and initiated that life. And we receive salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, not because of our own ingenuity not because of our own works, but because of God's grace. And then we receive that salvation, not through a a series of ordeals or a number of works that we have to accomplish to receive the gift. That doesn't make any sense at all. But we receive the gift by faith. We receive God's gracious gift by faith. We are united to Jesus Christ in our baptism. 
the church of Calvary had a baptism this morning, and that they sang happy birthday to the baby. Because when a person is baptized, that is their new spiritual birthday. They are brought into union with Christ. All the benefits of Christ are given to them. They are now part of the church, and they are now received among the beloved. And then at some point, that little baby, maybe in their infancy, we don't know, trusts the promises of God. We see that John the Baptist jumped in Elizabeth's womb, his mother's womb, when he was near Jesus. Mary came and visited Elizabeth, and Mary was pregnant, Elizabeth was pregnant, and when the two women got together, John the Baptist jumped in Elizabeth's womb for joy because Jesus was there with him. And so one of the main reasons that we are Anglican and not Roman Catholic, like our dear brothers and sisters across the street, is the way in which good works interact with our salvation. This is fundamental to our identity. There are many things that I respect and honor the Roman Catholic Church for. They have an incredible high view of life. They have studied things and forgotten things that we haven't even remembered regarding ethics and science and how science and faith interact. But we completely disagree with them on how good works relate to our salvation. They must reach a certain level of perfection or holiness to go from this life into the presence of God directly. Otherwise, they have to go to uh, purgatory to purge off their temporal sin. But if you look at the logical chronology of Paul's teaching, good works follow salvation. Good works do not precede salvation. Paul doesn't say you must do these good works in order to get get God's attention, in order to earn his favor so that he then might bestow upon you the forgiveness of sins. The, The Bible doesn't teach that. What the Bible teaches is that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead men don't do good works. It's impossible for a dead person to do any works at all. And so God not not only pursues us, but he gives us life so that, as I said last week, he gives us life so that we might look to Jesus. Like the Old Testament, Israel looked at the serpent pitched on on uh, on the staff. And as they looked to Jesus... We are saved. But good works are vital for the Christian. Good works are done out of gratitude. And if you follow Paul's epistles, this is his consistent teaching. 
that we are dead in our trespasses and sins and that God initiates life and gives us life. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and then out of gratitude and who we are in Christ, we then do good works. Notice with me verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We, for we. It is very hard for 21st century Americans to understand what Paul is getting at here. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the believers in Ephesus. For the Christians in Ephesus, the church was their identity. They had no identity outside the church. For us Americans, we go to the church. Our identity is here at home in our families and our work and what we do. And we leave our families, our home and what we do, and we drive over to that building to have church. There's a huge difference. Jesus saved the church as a body, as a unit, as a being. You know, imagine I, I eat lunch right around the corner here once or twice a week at Panera. Uh, if you go down North Boulevard up here, you'll see uh, Elmbrook Hospital and part of the campus there is a nursing home that I visit almost every day. Imagine sitting in uh, Panera and you see an ear walk in and order some soup and sit down. And then a toe walk in. And then a leg walk in. And then an eye walk in. And you have all these individual parts of the human body and you ask them, who are you? What do you do? And as you interact with this eye or ear or foot or leg, they talk as individuals. Oh, I I kick, but I haven't been able to kick very long because I'm not connected to a leg. Well, have you ever thought of joining the leg? Oh, have you met the leg? He's such a pain in the neck. Or a finger. Well, I point, but it's hard for me to point because I'm not connected to a hand. Well, why don't you connect yourself to the hand? Have you met the hand? They're a pain in the neck. And that's how we are. We are disjointed members of Christ's body, not really understanding who we are and what we have been made for. We have been made for living in community with each other and living in communion with God. And we say this every week. But what do we mean when we say in the creed, I believe in one holy Catholic church, or in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the communion of saints. For Americans living in the 20th, 21st century, church is one small aspect of their life. Maybe important, but it doesn't identify them. It identified the Christians in Ephesus. 
and we are his workmanship. The word workmanship is actually an interesting word. It, it has images going back to the first creation, where God spoke everything out of nothing and into existence. It's a, it's a unique thing that God created. We are his workmanship. Actually, the word is where we get the word poetry. A beautiful, crafted uh, piece of, of art that God has created. And it's a one-off creation. There's nothing else like the church in history or in the world. And God saved us together and united us together with Christ. And now we are his artistry created for a purpose. Have you ever asked yourself, why am I even here? Why do I exist? What does God want me to do? Verse 10 answers that question for us. He wants us to live in deep abiding community with each other and with God. And he has created us as a unique piece of artistry. And we are created not as individual members of the body. You know, a hand walking down the street a knee walking down the street, an eye, an ear. But we are created as a harmonious part of a body. Now, I've never delivered a baby, but I've been present with three deliveries. And the baby doesn't come out in pieces and parts. It comes out as a whole, all linked and united together into a beautiful being a beautiful person. And when we are brought into salvation and our sins are forgiven, we're not, that doesn't happen to us as specific individual persons. We are saved as the body of Christ. And each one of us has a unique, specific purpose. And the general overarching theme of that purpose is for good works. Is for good works. We are created in Christ for good works. Now when Paul says in Christ, he's also hearkening back to creation. Just as we are his unique, special creation that he spoke into existence, we are made that creation in Christ. Now, prior to our baptism and prior to our saving faith, we are in another person. We are in Adam. And this is picked up in the, in the wonderful Narnia tales. What do they call the three children that walk through the wardrobe? The sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. And those who are outside of Christ are either a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve. And that race of humanity is seen by God as in rebellion towards him. And it is Christ's work that brings us into union and harmony and in a loving relationship with the Father. So when we are in Christ... We are in all of his glorious works. 
Adam was given some specific tasks. He was to tend and keep the garden. He was to watch over it. He was to protect it. He was to till the soil so that it would flourish and be beautiful and bring in a crop and potentially expand. What did Jesus tell us to do right before he left? Basically, to tend and keep the garden of the world. We're to go out and tell all people what Christ has, uh, what obligations Christ has for us, those good works. The good works are fundamentally to spread the gospel. And we do this in a variety of ways. We are ambassadors of the gospel when we go to our individual places of work. As a doctor, as a lawyer, as a chaplain, driving cars around, pouring coffee, roasting coffee, taking care of children, teaching people. We are ambassadors of Christ, reflecting the glory of Christ and what God's kingdom is like. We are to live in what, what we could call a Jesus community, a Jesus community of love. So that when people see us, they want to know, why is that person different? What is unique about that person? Why is their family, they're not a perfect family, but they seem to love each other and forgive each other and walk together through this life. We are his unique, beautiful creation together created in Christ Jesus for good works. Loving works, charitable works, works of our hands, works of our minds, works of our wallet, works of our feet, works of our back, of our our strength and of our minds. And notice that this isn't merely an accident, a side issue. This is part of God's eternal plan. The end of verse 10. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were even born, God knew what he wanted you to do. The good works he wanted you to perform. And in order to accomplish those good works, you needed to be united to Jesus Christ. And in order to be united to Jesus Christ, you needed to come alive in the Spirit and have your sins forgiven. I've mentioned this before. What we're doing right now is a fundamental good work that God wants us to do, to worship. It's fundamental to who we are as people and who we are as Christians and as the church. And the church has two major roles, two major objectives. We are to be a worshiping community. And secondly, we're to tell our neighbors who do not know God, who are not worshipers of God, to join with us and to enter into that beautiful community of worshiping love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
So we are to worship and we are to do evangelism. Now we have an opportunity here in three weeks to tell our neighbors, to tell our loved ones, to tell those around us about the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to hear a wonderful presentation by a C.S. Lewis scholar, and that will be um, September 7th. Next week, I will have a stack of invitations that you can invite people uh, to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. You are created to live in beautiful, glorious communion with God, and not alone, but with the brothers and sisters of Christ around us. And not merely sitting in worship, but doing good works. Let us pray.